This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor. Good morning, one and all. What a beautiful day we're getting starting out with here. Look at how blue that sky is. Look I at the yellow. Know. Look at the yellow maple leaves against the blue sky out the window. It's so absolutely pretty. spectacular. Gorgeous. And you look absolutely spectacular, darling, too. Oh, thank you. Know? you. Thank yes, you. yes, thank you. you do. Yes. And so does Sebastian, <laughs> who is in there answering the phones already. We've got folks lined up to talk mm-hmm. to you. But let me, for those of you who don't, are on on the phone already. Let me get you there. Here's the number to call in uh, Toronto if you want to reach Charlie Dobbin, The Garden Show, 416-360-0740, and then anywhere in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Our mantra is call early, call often, one question per call, okay? That's it. There we go. Thank you. I'm well done. Way. And then remember, if you're a first-time caller... Oh, oh, yes, yes, Let yes. Sebastian know, or Frank... And then, that's what you'll hear when you're welcome to the air. That's right. Those okay. are your garden wings that you get <laughs> when you make your first call. Okay, lots of announcements. Okay. So, Centennial Greenhouses and Conservatory hosting a special open house today and tomorrow featuring a giant poppy, nine-foot poppy, created by Stanley Rozak. He's a grower with the City of Toronto Parks and Rec. He created this poppy with close to 1,000 red mum flowers, all inserted into foam, mm-hmm. floral foam in the shape of a poppy. So this is all in celebration of the 100th anniversary of the John McRae penning the famous poem in Flanders Fields. Mm-hmm. You know that one. Centennial Greenhouses and Conservatory is located at 151 Elmcrest Road in Etobicoke, open daily from 10 to 5, 365 days a year, free admission. And of course, the fall chrysanthemum exhibit is also on right now as well. Speaking of open houses, mm-hmm. did I tell you that I'm teaching horticulture at Durham College yes, this semester? Yes, you have mentioned that. But... Yeah, so Durham College, which is located in Whitby, the one I teach at, is um, Whitby 1610, so 1610 Champlain Avenue, right on the 401. You can see it right on the north side of the 401 um, at um, Thixon. It's, oh, they're having an open house, and that is... Next weekend, next Saturday. <laughs> I didn't write the date down, but it's next Saturday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Everything's open for those four hours. If you do go, check out the greenhouses and the new cold frames uh, to see all kinds of really cool things growing. And stop laughing at me. Uh, you, this is a lot of work well, putting I this know, stuff together. I know, I know. <laughs> well, you always seem to delete one important point there, the when. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or where. <laughs> okay, I've got the where and the when okay. on that one. Next one, this Monday, November the 9th. The Asian Court Garden Club is meeting at 8 p.m. They meet at 2575 Midland Avenue at Shepherd Stop Laughing. This is, that's the Knox United Christian Education Center. The speaker, Margaret Daly-Plouffe, and everyone is, of course, welcome. 
they're a friendly bunch of people. Tuesday, the next night, if you're busy on Monday night, Tuesday night, November 10th, 7.30, the Scarborough Garden and Hort Society is hosting their annual general meeting and a free presentation on Christmas decorations. Wow. Is it time to be doing yeah. Christmas decorations well, already? you know. <laughs> I guess. Halloween's over, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Christmas decorations with Sheridan Nurseries. All guests, of course, are welcome. Refreshments are included. They meet at the Scarborough Village Community Center, 3600 Kingston Road and Markham Road. Now, then, the next night, the Riverdale Hort Society's meeting on November the 11th at 7.30 p.m. in the Frankland Community Center on Logan, just south of the Danforth. Barry Porteous will be presenting unusual and underused perennials. And, of course, as usual, lots of good eats, good chit-chats. Underused perennials, no. And That's everybody's a, welcome. Wow. Yeah, no, no, it's just, uh, just a, a strange phraseology. Really? Underused? Well... How do you make... Use of a perennial. Oh, I see what you mean. No, I think it's the people t- tend to have a lot of the same plants. You know, in the shade, there's hostas, and in the sun, there's, you know, echinacea or something like that. People, there's sort of about 10 perennials everybody tends to use, and that might be partially because they do well, okay. and they're easy to, to have them look great, and then we divide them and we share them with our friends. Before you know it, we all have the same plants. Okay. So I think he's going to be talking about plant perennials that we don't see that often All right. that are okay. out there and would also be that quite beautiful. That clarifies it for right? me. Thank you very oh, much. No worries. <laughs> uh, okay. And my final announcement is the Toronto Rhododendron Society is hosting their meeting at the Toronto Botanical Gardens on Sunday, November 15th, so next Sunday at 2 p.m. Speakers are Robert Ramick and Laura Grant, and their topic is, you'll love this, the joy of garden tours. Ah. It's a photographic romp through some of their most memorable gardens and landscapes. A romp. A romp. Now there's a word I love. I knew, okay. I knew you'd like that. It's a photographic <laughs> romp. So, And that's next Sunday at the Toronto Botanical Gardens, which is 777 Lawrence, uh, excuse me, Avenue East at uh, Leslie. Lawrence All and right. Leslie. <laughs> wow, you, you did have a whack of stuff there. You warned me in advance. <laughs> I did, yes. Yeah, I didn't believe you, but my mm, gosh. Now you, you believe me. You pulled through once again. Mm, Charlie Dobbin. With a lot of good help from you. Thank you. Yeah, well, thank you very much. Uh, the Garden <laughs> Show is underway. We'd love to talk to you, and we have folks lined up to chat with Charlie after these words. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Uh, happy Troika coming at you from Zoomer Radio. Uh, that would be uh, myself, Frank Proctor, Charlie Dobbin, of course, and Sebastian in the next room there who answers the phone, and he's already been speaking to Helen in Toronto. Welcome to the show, Helen. Hello. Good morning. Hello, Charlie. I'm calling about my uh, Norfolk Island pine, mm-hmm. and it's now grown to about, I'd say, about two feet. Nice. Now, do I bring it in this winter, uh, or do I keep it outside? Oh, remember the Norfolk Island pine is a tropical plant. Yes. It must come in for the winter, or it will die. Oh, my goodness. Yep. Yep. So you get out there today. I'm sure it's all nice and clean and fresh after all that rain and wind. Oh, beautiful. And, uh, you know, even if there was a spider on there, it would have blown off, I'm sure, (laughs) with the kind of wind we had yesterday. Uh, So it's a good day to bring it in. Oh, good. Okay. Okay, I shall do that. Oh, wait a minute. Um, It's in a six-inch pot. Should I put it in another one? Yes. If it's two feet tall, it definitely should be moving up to an eight-inch pot. Minimum. You could even jump to a 10 if you want. But, yeah, fresh potting soil, of course, and bigger pot. Now, 
what kind of pot would be best? Just any any pot that attracts you with drainage. Remember, there's plastic, you know, the cheapo green plastic pots or black plastic pots that have good drainage holes in them. And then you can sit that into a lovely ceramic or something that's, you know, super, you know, goes with your decor. There's that option as well. All right. Oh, lovely. Thank you so much. You're very okay, welcome. Helen. Okay, Thank you. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on a gorgeous, gorgeous weekend mm-hmm. here. Mary Lou in Oakville. Little old you. I Mary- thought you were going to start singing. Mary Lou. I was, too. <laughs> I know. I heard it. <laughs> Hi, Mary Lou. <laughs> Good morning. Hi, guys. I love your show. Love you. And I'm trying to make a pie and listen, and I think I'm going to have a problem. But on to my question. And, Charlie, I know you've heard this so many times. Uh, but I'm, I hear so many conflicting reports about this, so mm-hmm. I thought I'm going to ask Charlie what she does in her garden. Okay. Do you cut back all your perennials, uh, all, your, all your plants except the ones the birds really love? It depends. <laughs> That's what I was afraid of. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what it is? Sometimes it's just a timing thing. Like this fall has been a beautiful, long fall with some lovely weather. Yeah, Last absolutely. week it was just balmy. So it was a, it's been a very nice fall to get out into the garden and do some of those maintenance tasks like cutting down the peonies or cut, removing the frozen hosta leaves. Some falls, we go from summer to winter with not very many days in between, and it's like, forget it, nothing gets done, leaves are still out there on the lawn, you know, it's because the snow falls so early. So, you know, this fall has been a good fall that way. I, with the hostas as an example, I usually just let them, the leaves drop. And I think, oh, boy, those look kind of ugly. And then the snow falls. And then the next spring I look and the leaves have disappeared. They just completely are absorbed into the soil and chewed up by all the little, you know, bacteria and worms, etc. So I try to not make work for myself. The, the ones I really do cut down, though, are the peonies. I always cut those out because in the spring they're so early to emerge from beneath the ground that if you go in and start trying to remove last year's dead, you know, sort of lying on the ground foliage, it'd be very easy to do damage to the to the new growth that's coming up in the spring from the peonies. So that one I always, after they've been frosted, I always cut those down. Otherwise, the black-eyed Susans tend to seed themselves everywhere. And before you know it, you've got an acreage of black-eyed Susans. So those ones I'll tend to deadhead as well. Um, but generally speaking, I leave them, everything pretty much alone. Oh, you do. So, yeah. I, it, like, it looks lovely in my garden mm-hmm. in all different colors, but I didn't know whether to cut back or not. Mm-hmm. And I really found that just so confusing because you hear so many conflicting stories. Now, yeah, but, the but next you... thing I want to say, and thank you for that, Charlie. The next thing I want to say, and it's not a question, and I'll keep it very brief, and I am a week late. I hope people are putting their pumpkins in the garden because they make such wonderful compost. Mm-hmm. I literally go around and collect, hmm. I put, I, like, I've got 30 pumpkins in it. Wow. No I kidding. couldn't put it in my trunk. That's great. I, know. I love it. Yeah. I'm not married. You can tell a husband wouldn't be happy with that. <laughs> That's great. I love it. Yeah, I do this. I definitely, I always put my com- into the composter. They disappear. They're amazing. Pumpkins oh, just turn well, to mush. I just put them in the garden yeah. next to a plant where I think there's room. Yeah. And I just can't believe everybody throws them out. I know. It's true. And do you break it up or do you just put the whole pumpkin out? 
I put the whole pumpkin yeah. out, but this year, because I'm trying to overwinter Gora, which I have mm-hmm. no success with, mm-hmm. I'm putting mulch on my garden, mm-hmm. and I'm cutting a pumpkin in half mm-hmm. and placing it, or in quarters, and putting it on top of my four Gora plants. Oh, good. That's a good idea. Wow. That's a good idea. Yeah, and do mulch with leaves, for sure, uh, around the Gora. Anything's a little oh, tender. Oh, leaves. Yep. Okay, yep. that's easy. Yeah, leaves, and then the pumpkin on, on top. Sounds perfect. Okay, should I cut the Gora back? Uh, you're going to have to. And once it's had a real good frost, which you probably haven't had yet. Oops, that was two questions. I, can't I was <laughs> going to say, I was just about to jump on you for that because then I thought, no, no, Mary Lou's making a pie. So she's got a lot of crusts to come in and throw two questions at me. <laughs> That's you, very good, Frank. You, remember that. You okay, have a thank gr- you very much. Have a great day. Thanks, Thanks for yeah, calling. Thank you very much. Good point, though. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what else? Mary Lou's point was good that there's so much conflicting information. Like, what do you do? Right. And she's absolutely right. I mean, when I went to university a hundred years ago, we were taught to cut stone back. tablets. Yes, and, uh, yes. and we were with our yeah, exactly. <laughs> our, we were supposed to cut back all the perennials right down yeah. to the ground in the fall, and that's because we were working off of. British information. In the horticultural world, we had no Canadian textbooks at that time, or obviously there was no internet, and there certainly weren't even any Canadian magazines. So it was all either American or British information. And in Britain, it is true. They cut all the perennials down because their whole winter lasts for two weeks, and then everything's growing again. Whereas for us, winter is very different. And leaving some of those perennials out there for the birds, and also as a form of protection for the crowns of the plants, works very well in Canada. Okay, good point. Okay. Uh, Nine twenty-two. Oh, you know, you know what I forgot to do this morning? No, what? No, the first time. No, no. In, in I don't you know years. Didn't. I forgot to take my Sierra Sil. Uh, well, you're going to be no crying kidding. in the corner pretty I soon. Know. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to hear me creaking as I walk out. Uh, yeah, no, but it's a son of a gun if you you know. Mm-hmm. And I usually do. do. Yeah, well, uh, you do because for a reason because you want to support joint. Mobility and health. Absolutely. Your joint mobility and health. And that's what Sierra Sil does. It says minerals, completely natural minerals from the Sierra Sil Mountains, which taken Sierra daily. Sierra Sil Mountains. Oh. Sierra Mountains, yes. Thank you very much. I'm glad you're <laughs> listening. Uh, taken from the Sierra Mountains, and it's called Sierra Sil because it is a silicate-based material that uh, is, is taken daily, uh, can work as something that just seems to keep those joints yep. Greased and, and pain-free and working. So you're at Good Life Fitness and you're doing all kinds of things to stay active. And it's important to be doing that as pain-free as possible. Absolutely. How do you get in touch with these folks? Well, you can give them a call at one eight seven seven joint 14 Or you can check them on the web, sierrasil.com. S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And, Charlie, just before we get to our next call, I will mention we do have a line open right now, which is rather unusual. So you can reach Charlie by calling 416 360 0740 or anywhere in the province toll free 1-866-740-4740 and here is Joan from Fort Erie. Hi Joan, good morning. Good morning. Morning. Good morning. Yes, go ahead. Okay, my question is about spirea. Mm-hmm. I have uh, four Anthony 
um, Waterer. Waterer. Yes. Yep. I can't read. I'm legally blind. Yeah, it's, a, yeah, it's Anthony Waterer. Go ahead. Waterer. And the young man who helps me trimmed them back to about three inches. Mm-hmm. Now, we live across the river from Buffalo, New York, and we have a good ground covering of snow. But will they grow up in the spring? Mm-hmm. They will, yep. Three inches is maybe a little lower than I would trim them normally in the fall. There's nothing wrong with trimming them in the fall, but I would probably have maybe left them, you know, six inches or more. Yes. But have you had them for a number of years? Four. Four years? Yeah, so they, I mean, this is a pretty vigorous plant, and it does love to be trimmed. So what you're going to find is next year they might not be as big as they were this year, but they will be full and bushy, and when they're flowering, they will be be beautiful and uniform in their shape and flower like crazy. So don't don't be at all concerned. I would, you know, the snow is important. You mentioned you're pretty consistent with your snow. Mm A little top dressing, if you've got the young man working in the garden still throughout the fall, you know, some compost or some composted manure, quarter of an inch, half an inch around the base of these plants would be good for them. Either Not this on top, but just around the base. Around on the soil, yeah, exactly. Around well, the base. They have lots of mulch. Oh good. Okay. Yes. So Not fertilizing that next spring would be a good idea just to, you yes. know, support that oomph of growth. Okay. All right. Well, now I'll sleep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good stuff. Glad Thank to hear. Thank you very much. Thanks okay, for Joe. calling. <laughs> well, yeah. I know. People do worry. <laughs> well, you know, I always remember, okay, so this is a bit of a side story, but I was working up in the Yukon in Whitehorse gardening, and I was doing some maintenance around somebody's home, and this person had a Hansa rose, which is a very hardy rose in in this area, in southern Ontario, a Hansa will grow a meter tall and a meter wide. Well, of course, up in the Yukon, it's not as big, but it, it's still a very tough, hardy rose. So what happened was, it was late in summer, I trimmed it all back. Well, the homeowner went ballistic on me. It was like, oh my gosh, do you know how many years it took for this plant to grow? And oh, you oh, yeah. ruined wow. it. It's probably going to die. You know, oh, just totally going <laughs> off the deep end. And it was, I mean, I meanwhile was a graduate in horticulture at this point. So, you know, somebody telling me how to do things was kind of frustrating. However, <laughs> good luck. <laughs> however, it was the homeowner's rose. So, of course, I'm yeah. apologizing yeah. profusely. Well, I, I did get a note from that same homeowner uh, the following year saying, my apologies, the Hansa Rose looks better this year than it's ever looked ah, uh, due to your pruning. So, a little tough love. Yes. No, thank you for pruning it and my apologies for yelling at you. <laughs> <laughs> nice story. Yeah, thank, yeah. thank you for including that. Yeah. Now, hey, we have a first time caller. Wait a minute. Get, oh, good. My, get, get the bell, bell, Frankie. Here we go. That's going on for Dawn in Port Perry. Hi, Dawn. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the uh, show. I have a question about uh, mum plants. I put just a couple of ordinary mum plants out last summer. Mm-hmm. They had bloomed in the house, and I put them, planted them and cut oh, yeah. them back. Mm-hmm. And they have bloomed twice since. I've cut them back, and they bloomed, and one's just gone crazy. It's huge. Um, now it's just starting to bloom again, but now it's too cold. Mm-hmm. Should I cut them back now or wait until uh, spring? I personally would wait till spring, unless they're really floppy and ugly. Well, one one is huge, and it's kind of fallen over, but... Yeah, so, I mean, you could cut... I mean, if it's flopping, say, out onto the lawn, like out of the garden into the lawn, or, you know, onto a walkway or whatever, I would, I would trim it for that purpose only, because it's, you know, just 
doesn't look good and it's in the way. No, okay, no, it's in the garden. It's not bothering you. And, and did you say you planted them this past spring? Yes, I just I had them, bought them for Easter, and I just had them in the house, and I thought, well, I'll put them out and see what happens. Mm-hmm. They've been amazing. Twice I've cut them back, twice they've bloomed. That's great. Now, keep in mind, though, those are florist mums. They are not necessarily hardy mums. Well, one was I just bought it like it was like a $6 at the grocery store. Okay. Well, my, my point is that they may survive the winter, but they may not. No, I, I realize, yeah, yeah. I just didn't know whether I should leave them alone or... What I would do is I would put some mulch around in the form of chopped up leaves right. around the crown or the base of the plant. So if they are flopping, lift up the stems, jam, you know, four inches of crushed up leaves around the the crown, you know, Mm -hmm. the the plant, let the flop go back down on top of the leaves and, um, you know, put snow on them if it snows, if you're shoveling, etc. And they may survive. It's in it. Mums are pretty interesting that some are come through anything. Yeah. Yeah. Watch for them in the in the spring, though, because they're slow to turn green and you might think they're dead. And then suddenly all of a sudden you see some little green shoots. But I I should never I should not take the flowers off the top. Well, you will cut them back next spring. Okay. And they will look dead when you do that. So just wait and give them a couple of, you know, wait till at least the end of May before you see anything green. Sure. Okay. Okay. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. Thank you, Don. Don't be a stranger. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Doors always open here. There's a first time Coffee's on. The coffee's on. Yeah, and the pie is in the oven. Mary Lou's on that. Well, yeah. (laughs) I I didn't ask her what kind of pie it was. Oh, maybe she'll call back and tell you. Oh, I hope so. Okay. (laughs) Verna, uh, now I understand you're from Empire Corners near Hamilton. Is that right? Yes, it is. Well, thank you. Pembroke and Dunville. Oh, yes. All right. Okay. Because Sebastian gave me a little clue there. He He's my <laughs> main research guy when it comes to locating callers. <laughs> so what's on your mind, Verna? I have so many uh, geraniums that I've brought in for the winter, and I don't have enough window sunlight. <laughs> Can I put them in a dark spot without to overwinter without, as long as they don't freeze? Well, that, this is a good question. Um Yes, you can. Dark spot, not freezing. However, um, the dark spot needs to be cool. Right. So cool as in kind of refrigerator temperature, 8, 9, 10 degrees at the most Celsius. Like definitely above zero. Yep, definitely above zero. So really what you want, geraniums are going to survive best between zero and six or seven degrees Celsius or 32 to 40 to Fahrenheit um, in the dark. Mm-hmm. And then there's that humidity thing. So you don't want them in a super, um, like that's why you don't want the dry, the hot and certainly you don't want the dry. Um, in long, long time ago, people had root cellars and earthen floors in their basements and it was dark and it was cool, but there was some moisture in the air just right. from the onions and potatoes and carrots that were buried in the, the sand, obviously, but also from that earth floor. And geraniums would overwinter quite nicely in that situation. They'd go semi-dormant, so Mm -hmm. virtually they would look like they were dead, but there would still be life in the plant that you would rejuvenate because little sprouts would start to come off of them in March, February, and you would cut those little sprouts and start little cuttings from the the main mother plant, which would not survive, but of course the new growth would. Oh, okay. So that's the biggest challenge is just trying to come up with the conditions that the plants will survive so they don't shrivel up and die in Mm -hmm. the dark, uh, but then they don't rot uh, you know, and turn to mush because it's too moist. So if I put them in like a large planter and just, uh, I was going to put them in the basement, but just keep them warm 
Will I water a bit? Yeah, but not too warm, like we said. So what no, I would... it isn't warm. No, it's definitely not yeah. warm. But yeah. uh, uh, you as prob- long as I keep them from freezing and just add a bit of water now and again. Yeah, you probably won't be adding a lot of water. So mm-hmm. just if you're going to do a bit of a transplanting thing, do a little bit of watering, and then that'll be it. You won't do any more watering because otherwise that the soil is just going to get mushy. The plants aren't going to really use that water if no, it's dark. Rot. Right. Well, I appreciate that okay. because I I don't want to throw them out, and nobody no. seems to want them. <laughs> Aww. Traniums are so pretty, too, I know. <laughs> they are. They are. And my other call to you, this is my second time, was about a rhubarb seed that had a rhubarb plant went to seed. Oh, yeah. I planted the seeds, and I got rhubarb. Nice. Yeah. Good yeah. stuff. <laughs> You're going to start your own geranium and I rhubarb nursery Better get in touch soon. with Mary Lou and start making those rhubarb pies. Well, right? I need strawberries <laughs> of that. <laughs> Thank you, Verna. Thank you very much. Thank all right, have a wonderful weekend. Have a good day. Thank you very much. And you are listening to The Gardening Show, right, The Garden Show, here, well, gardening, I guess, too, that's, that's probably correct. Uh-oh, I'm getting myself in trouble here. The Garden Show, uh, on the air here, Zoomer Radio, saying hi to Fred in St. Catharines. Hey, Fred, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. Yep. Good morning. Good morning. Got a bit of a, maybe is your radio on, Fred? Better turn the radio right down or off, because we're getting feedback there. All righty. You okay? Okay. Yeah, there you are. Perfect. Okay. My question is, I had, uh, I bought an amaryllis plant last year, planted it uh, in the, like kept it in the pot, Mm -hmm. it flowered, and uh, then in the spring I put it outside, Mm -hmm. and uh, about three weeks ago, I sort of realized that it was still out there. Mm-hmm. I dug it up, uh, put it in a little pot, mm-hmm. put it in the basement, perfect, uh, but on a window, okay. and uh, let the leaves dry off. Right now, there's one leaf is still left on it, uh-huh. and it's kind of green. So, what do I do? Do I cut it off? And what do I do to make sure? Uh, how long does it have to be in dormancy? That's good. No, that's a good question. What I would do is I would take it away from the window, leave it in the basement, but take it away from the window. Uh, you're going to leave it down in the basement for another three weeks. Okay. Okay, three weeks minimum. You could go four or five or six if you want, but three weeks minimum. Just take it out of the light. That green, that leaf that is green now will turn yellow because you're not watering right. through this process at all. No, no. So no. three to four weeks from now when you take the pot out of the basement, it will just have yellow shriveled up leaves, which you can just cut away. You'll put it then into... A warm, you know, your living room, dining room, kitchen, wherever, uh, into a sunny spot, and you're going to water once. And you're going to watch okay. and see what happens. And what you're going to hope for is that a flower stem will be the first. The, the first thing that emerges from that bulb will be the flower, okay. and follow that with leaves. So that no, that's great what you've done. Yeah. Okay. So you basically say it's about five, six weeks before. Yeah. Yeah. If I want flowers again, right? It's a, yeah, it's a minimum so it, six weeks. It's got to be six okay. weeks of dormant, minimum. Oh, okay. Okay? Okay, thank you very much. You're very okay, welcome. Fred, thank you. There we are from the Garden City, St. Catherine. <laughs> That's true. Fred? Yeah. I love it. He, so he planted an amaryllis, and then he suddenly had probably woke up in the middle of the night and went, oh, my amaryllis <laughs> is still outside. It's, frost is coming. Because, <laughs> again, it's tropical plant, right? <laughs> right yeah. Well, we're in this season now for uh, Christmas cactus. And wouldn't you know, <clears throat> pardon me, from Elmville, first-time caller, Marie. There you go. Hi, Marie. Hi. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call. 
I have a Christmas cactus that is 26 years old. Mm. It's about five feet in diameter, and it's just starting to come into bloom now. Now, I'm going away to Florida for four months, and I want to know how often should it be watered (laughs) while I'm away. (laughs) So last year, when it was four and a half feet in diameter, do you have like a neighbor coming in to do the water? I have a neighbor come in. He was doing it every two weeks. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, so um, I think that's too much. I was going to say, yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't want to do it any more than every two weeks. And so, and your house is fairly cool because you're out of the country. It's, it's sixty when we go south, right? So that's the other reason why we wouldn't water very often. But you do have it someplace where it's getting sun. It's near it's a window. In a, it's indirect sunlight. Okay. You know what? Better to err on the side of too little water rather than too much water particularly okay. with a 26-year-old plant. So what I would do is probably put it on a schedule. It, when was the last time this plant was repotted? Oh, a, a long time 25 well, years ago. I can't get it out of the pot. It's, no. it's too big. Five foot in diameter. Imagine that. Imagine wow. that. That's that huge. Is. I mean, that's taking up half your house, I would I think. I know. <laughs> Amazing. But it's, it's beautiful when it blooms. It's a double bloom. Oh, nice. What color? Pink. Nice. Well, you should take a picture of it. I will. And send us a picture. I'll give, I'll give the address later. Okay. So I'd love to see it. It's, um, so, yeah, at the most, I'd be watering every three weeks. Would, every three weeks? Would four weeks yep. be too you, much? No, you could even go every four weeks. Um, the, the trick is that it, it should be watered thoroughly, so thoroughly enough that the water goes through the soil into the saucer below. <clears throat> so okay. it's probably not in a very big pot, is it? How big is the it's pot? It's in quite a big pot, oh, but it? it's got a, um, the pot I can water from the bottom. Uh-huh. Is that doing it any harm if I fill that up at the bottom? No, it can either one. Doesn't matter. Doesn't like, matter. Yeah, capillary action is going to take the water up into the soil, or gravity is going to take the water down, down. from the surface. Okay. It doesn't matter. Either way, the roots are going to get the water. The main so thing if is I to ensure my friend to come in every four weeks to just to water it. That would be all right. Yeah, yeah, and it, but it might need. Like if it's a big, you know, 12, 14-inch pot, it might need about a liter of water. I mean, that's okay. the thing. It needs a substantial – need you want right. saturation yeah. through the through the entire pot. Would you set that in the sink yeah. Uh, yeah. and let it big. drain through? It's too big. Oh, it's too big. Oh, How yeah. do you pick up a five-foot plant <laughs> and put it in the sink? five feet across. Yeah, oh no, I God. understand. It yeah. yeah. does sound huge. <laughs> well, Amazing. <yeah. laughs> I planted it from a little leaf that broke off one of my other plants. From- yeah. That's what happens. Uh, they are amazing, those Christmas cactuses. They can last for a very wow. long time. Without water? With, or well, you mean, but, oh, yeah, well, for a very long time. Just with good care. I'm just concerned about going away. If we leave yeah. the house at 60. Yep, yep. You know what? just water it every four weeks? Every four weeks at the that most. That would be great. That would be fine. Thank okay. you so much. You're very well, thank welcome. You, Marie. <laughs> Send pictures. I'd forgotten that it was that huge <laughs> when I lifted up into the sink. Yeah, okay, right, um, right. Just let's give addresses yeah. while we're thinking about sending pictures. Oh, yeah, sure. So email... Yep. Obviously, if you have a cell phone with a camera or a digital camera, take pictures, send them to me via email at C, my first initial C for Charlie, dot Dobbin, D-O-B-B-I-N, at zoomermedia, mzmedia.com. Thank you. At M, that's why I was looking at you when I said that, at mzmedia.com. There you go. C okay. dot Dobbin. Or snail mail. 770 Jefferson Avenue, so 70 Jefferson Avenue in Toronto, M6K11. 
Y four is the postal code. Good for you. A lot of useful information there, there my friend. You go. All right. Oh, you know what? Mm-hmm. Uh, you had mentioned earlier that I am now going to Good Life Fitness, which I am, and I have uh, a bit of a, a rotator cuff me too. problem. You know. Oh, so they're giving me stretches to do, which is helping. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking I've got to get a hold of the folks at Sierra, so I'm going to call mm-hmm. uh, today. Well, on Monday for sure. Because I want to pick up that new Sierra Seal Active oh, with good the idea. curcumin, yep, yep. Uh, with a very special curcumin that really helps alleviate any pains, that sort of thing. Well, it's the difference is the joint formula active with curcumin has antioxidant pain relief mm-hmm. for active adults. Well, and there that's you go. You. Right? That's me. So joint formula active blends premium, well-researched um, Mariva, sorry, curcumin with a lower dose of Sierracil mineral complex. Uh, so it's the same joint, you know, um, mm-hmm. WD-40 for the joints, but it also is guaranteed effective and significantly easier to digest than other pain relievers, and it has a higher analgesic effect than acetaminophen. So there, there you go. go. Okay, there so you go. For more information, you can call the lovely people at Sierra Sill at one eight seven seven joint fourteen, or you can check them on the web, sierrasill.com, or pick it up at your local health food store. S I E R R A S I L. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, Forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor, delighted to welcome Julia from Milton to the air. Hi, Julia. Good morning. Morning. Um, last year, uh, I have a, um, a boxwood hedge mm-hmm. along the front of the house. And last year, I guess with all the snow, um, maybe it got burnt or something, but the whole side of the the hedge, like uh, there was a lot of... Um, Brown, um, yeah, in the spring. branches. Mm-hmm. I went through and trimmed them up, but I'm wondering, what's uh, what's a way I can protect... Because I believe you said something about like sunshine off the snow and it doesn't have any water, like it when the ground destroy it, the the bushes. Well, yeah, when the ground is frozen, and we had a very extended period of frozen ground and and temperatures in general last winter. So tell me, so you said it's a hedge across the front of the house. What direction does the it faces f- south? So it gets a lot of sun, right? And, and that's, when the snow is on the top. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I take the snow off the top because sometimes it's, it was quite high. Mm-hmm. But I'm wondering, is there like could I put like a burlap cover on the side? It's it, like on the walkway side, it seems to be fine. It's Which, just on the more the open side that's right, for so, the lawn. Right. So the the walkway side is probably the north side, I assume. So yeah. there's no direct sunlight there. Whereas the south side, there is direct sunlight, and the plant desiccates in the sun, as you know we're saying. So. Uh, Okay, a couple of things you could do. And the problem is there's no guarantee that we'll have lots of snow. But if we had lots of snow guaranteed, what I would do is, if possible, would be to pile snow up on that, right across that south side of the hedge to the height of the hedge so that you'd be blocking the sun with the snow. But because we don't have guaranteed snow here in southern Ontario, it can rain one day and freeze the next – what you could do, which would certainly provide the same kind of sh- shading, is get yourself some, um, st- you know, like kind of a one by one inch, um, you know, eight foot long posts 
and or what, what do you call it? like a one by one? Anyway, pieces of wood at your local Home Depot. Cut them so that they're how tall is the hedge roughly? Um, it's probably about um, two and a half feet tall. Right. Yeah. So cut them till so they're about a meter length or three foot lengths, and then go in and you would pound those. S- as stakes into the ground on the south side of the hedge and you pound them about every six feet along the the front Mm -hmm. of that hedge. Then you would get burlap while you were shopping because burlap is for sale at this time of year for just this purpose and you would run burlap from along those posts and then you staple the burlap onto the post and now you've got that little burlap it'd be like a little screen right on the south side of the hedge protecting from the sun and but still allowing air to get through and moisture to get through i'm not covering the the bush at all i'm just making a barrier on the one side correct do not cover it that's what I thought, because I had already bought some burlap, but mm-hmm. I thought I'd better just check with you to make yeah. sure I'm doing the right thing. Yeah, I wouldn't try wrapping the whole hedge. It would be way more trouble than it's worth, and wrapping has its challenges. Yeah. Okay. Just, just The main thing is to try and hold that sun uh, away and off of that south side of the hedge for it to, to be in the best condition in the spring. And make sure that if we don't get lots of rain in the next month or so before we're at final freeze-up, don't put your hose away yet. You know, sure, we had some good rain, but we've got to make Make sure all our evergreens are very well watered before the real freeze comes. And like before the real freeze comes, like how much time would that, like let's say I watered them and then two days later we had a, a freeze. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, usually it's gone into the ground. Yeah, in, in our world it's usually like mid to late November, sometimes it's even later than that, when we get the final sort of serious cold, uh, you know, we've got to get our hoses shut down and and you know certainly we can everything starts getting crusty right the surface of the the lawn starts getting hard and the, everything starts getting harder and harder and before you know it the frost penetrates into the ground but we want moist if not wet soil around our evergreens while that process is happening okay great okay. thank okay. you very much thanks thank you call. julia and uh, you are listening to Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And we're going to be back in just a moment to have a word with Audrey in Brampton right after these words. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And just as soon as we check in with Audrey, I want to mention something quickly. Uh, thank you to Mary Lou, our second caller, actually. Well, not really thank you, because it doesn't sound like she's delivering any. Whoa. Oh, well, maybe this will engender that. <laughs> but she called to tell us that she's making rhubarb pie. That's great, Sebastian. Thank Thanks. you for passing that along. Thanks for letting us know, Mary Lou. I'm, just, I'm joking about the delivery. I'm not. Okay, Audrey in Brampton. Good morning and welcome to the show. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I have some Christmas cactuses that are turning burgundy what causes that Hmm, interesting they are turning burgundy because they are in such a sunny location that the green leaves will get a a purple tinge from the sun too much sun that's what i thought yeah yeah but it's okay burlington pardon I'm from Burlington. Oh, Burlington, oh, Burlington. not okay. Brampton. Okay, sorry about that. Um, That's okay. The, um, but do, I wouldn't worry. I mean, were they outside, or have you moved them recently? What's Why were uh, they? They were in a solarium mm-hmm. uh, with other uh, Christmas cactuses. But they uh, seem to be turning that color, and we wondered why. Yeah, that's why. But I, but I wouldn't move them. I would leave them where they are. Let them turn a bit purple. Huh. Yeah. Days are getting shorter anyway. Yeah. Right. Another thing. Some of my friends have put the Christmas cactuses 
outside under a tree. Mm-hmm. And when they bring them back in, like this time of the year, mm-hmm. they bloom like crazy. Mm-hmm. It seems to help them. It's the, it's the temperatures. Yeah. It's because it's nice and chilly at night. Uh-huh. Christmas cactus will set Lots and lots of flower buds if they can get uh, some cool temperatures. Uh, In my bedroom at home, I have four or five Christmas cactus in the bedroom, and I always have my windows open at night. So year-round, the windows are open, and they're all covered in buds and blooming as we speak, just because they love that the cool temperature. Yeah, that must have some effect. Yeah, for sure. Excellent. Thank you. Well, thank you, Audrey. Thanks for your show. Thank you. Have a great weekend and uh, stay with us here at Zoomer Radio, of course. Eva in Toronto asking a question about your teaching Mm -hmm. uh, and what you cover at uh, Durham College. Good morning, uh, Eva. Welcome to the show. Okay, it's Eva, and I want to know what I would learn in a horticultural show. Uh, Well, what I'm teaching... What, What would I learn? Yeah, okay, so there's a couple of... In the colleges, there are a couple of courses... Um. There's and there's also something called continuing education. Okay. So continuing education, you would learn. You would go in the evening, and it's. Um, I teach at Humber College something called greenhouse operations and plant materials. Okay. And it's all about what is grown in greenhouses and how it's done. Okay. So it's everything from the mums and poinsettias and Easter lilies to cucumbers and tomatoes and Christmas cactus, all of which are grown in greenhouses in Ontario. I see. Um, at, in, um, at Durham College... It's a full academic two-year program that typically they're fairly young people. They're out of high school, college students, yeah. in either a, a, what's called a horticulture technician okay. course. Or there's something kind of unusual at Durham called horticulture food and farming. So they okay. refer to it as farm to fork. It's okay. that idea. Of, oh, right. Yeah, yes. uh, and so they've got a, um, a, the program is designed specifically on how to grow Edibles, okay. which then connects to the center for food, where they then there's a whole culinary school as well. So it's so quite it's interesting. Yeah, that way. it's yeah. pretty interesting. And and they had a big harvest dinner that they hosted based on all of the plants that they had harvested from the gardens and uh, invited 200 people, and it was an amazing dinner, big harvest. Okay, uh, so thank you very pretty much. interesting. You're very welcome. Thanks okay, for your thanks. call. Thank you. Thank you for asking. You yeah. sound like you're having a real good time with this. I do. I like it. Teaching's fun. It is. I, I do have a lot of fun with it. Yeah. I think I, I never would have thought of myself as a natural teacher kind of person, but I think I must be. Yes. Well, obviously. Oh, yeah. and you've got an email. I want to share this email yeah. because this is a good one from Lois Davidson in Mississauga. She All sent right. this email this past week and it says, I seem to remember hearing on one of your programs that it's quite okay to keep potting soil for reuse the following year. Correct? Question mark. If so, how does one store the soil over the winter? If left in the pots, is there any danger of freezing and breaking the pots? Again, another good question. So if the pots should be emptied, should the potting soil from each pot be kept separate from the others? And what about what do you add next spring uh, to the old potting soil? If anything, she's assuming that certain original nutrients might have disappeared uh, over the growing season. So yes, indeed, you can reuse potting soil. I personally leave the soil in the pots, but if they're breakable pots, like big terracotta pots, for example, you cannot leave those out in the weather. The big terracotta pots filled with potting soil have to either be brought, put in the garage or brought, put under cover so that water does not go in and cause freezing and expansion and breakage. 
I tuck my terracotta pots under my patio table and my homeless cat likes <laughs> lying in there in the spring because it's a nice sunny spot. And uh, so they, the pots just live all winter under the table so they're not getting any rain on them. Other pots that are not breakable, they just sit at the side of the house and snow piles up and all kinds of things. Water, rain, doesn't matter uh, because those are not breakable pots. In the spring, I dig out all the old roots and whatever's still left in the, in the soil from the past year top up with fresh potting soil, put in some of my slow-release fertilizer, and plant as necessary. There you go. There you go. So thanks for that, Lois. All right, we're at a racetrack. Yeah. Hey, there's Alan Gelman. Hey, Alan Gelman. So he looks like he does something with his pots, too. He's doing some kind of dance there. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, lovely pot. Looks like the O'Keefe Center. Thank you, Sebastian. You're very, very good. I know. Alan's in trouble out there. And thank you, my sous chef, Franklin Ewing. You are welcome. And uh, after 2 o'clock, I'll be giving my review of Spectre, the new James Bond movie. Oh, will you? And yes. I am at the Royal Winter Fair all afternoon, so come see me. Hall A, Exhibit 518, until 4 o'clock today. Thank you. Bye-bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.